Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. Please remain calm. Welcome to another episode of How to Survive the Narcissist Apocalypse. I am Chad the Impaler. Thanks for showing up this episode. It is another Narcissist Abuse Survivor episode with a brave woman named Olivia. But before we get to that, just some announcements uh, to make. And also there will be a warning. Uh, One thing that uh, we're going to now be doing before every show is, is saying this exact little statement. And that is a narcissist is someone who exhibits narcissistic traits and a consistent pattern of maladaptive narcissistic behaviors, regardless of whether they meet the diagnostic criterion or have a formal diagnosis. A person on the show may be referred to as a narcissist, uh, even if it's more likely that they have an other cluster B personality disorder, such as borderline personality disorder, histronic uh, personality disorder, or antisocial uh, personality uh, disorder. Uh, so as long as they just all have narcissistic traits and behaviors. So now that that part is out of the way, which I will now be saying or stating every single week, because sometimes we get some people who uh, make some comments uh, saying that they don't fall into certain uh, categories. Now we're just going to use this as like a blanket uh, statement beforehand. So we uh, don't get those emails anymore. And when I say we, I say it's really me. So besides that, uh, before we get into this episode, let me just say for everyone who is listening, uh, this episode might be very triggering for you. Uh, There is discussion of sexual assault. There's also a lot of strong language involved, uh, strong words that you may not like. Uh, I will not repeat them, obviously, uh, right now, because that would uh, be wrong of me. But uh, it is a warning. So if if this type of uh, conversation uh, will uh, will trigger you and make you upset, then I suggest uh, not listening to this episode. Uh, It was very hard to listen to uh, myself uh, and... uh, and Olivia was also obviously uh, very emotional while discussing uh, these uh, things that happened to her and things that were said to her. Uh, it's just it was very traumatic. So if uh, it's not the whole entire uh, podcast, uh, I mean it's a very brief moment. But again, it's a trigger warning uh, for anyone that if if this is going to bother you, please do not uh, listen to this episode and we'll meet us at the next one. And besides that, uh, I mean, this episode is interesting. We learn a lot about boundaries and uh, we discuss uh, something that I like to talk about, which is how I believe, uh, in my own personal opinion, that I allowed uh, my abusers to abuse me. And uh, once uh, I was unconscious of that, but now that I am conscious of it, uh, I, I don't allow it anymore. I don't want it to happen anymore. So we discussed that a little bit. And uh, we discussed uh, people-pleasing. 
We also somehow get on the topic of OCD, and uh, we obviously we discuss about PTSD, but uh, we uh, you know we talk about healing and uh, sticking up for yourself, and it was a really interesting conversation with uh, Olivia and. Now, without further ado, and I'm going to give you one last trigger warning uh, to turn it off. If you need to turn it off or if it starts and, it, and it's not driving with you, turn it off immediately or maybe fast forward. Um, and that is that. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Olivia. And thanks for everyone listening today. And on the line with me, I have... I forgot your name because <laughs> oh, <laughs> Olivia, Olivia, because we just uh, discovered it. Anyway, Olivia, how are you? I am doing pretty good. I'm a little nervous, but I'm good, and I'm ready to uh, tell my story. All right, so I'm going to, as always, get out of your way, and I might uh, interject here a little bit, but uh, the floor is yours. Okay. Um. So I met. Uh, my ex about three, well, about three years ago, we dated, um, for about two, uh, steady. And then we did an entire year of, um, breaking up abuse, getting back together, abuse, abuse, abuse. It was, uh, a yard sale to say the least. Um, it's, uh, interesting to look back now and to see how he manipulated and imitated, um, somebody, that he thought I wanted, you know, they really, I find they have this way of getting into your mind and picking up on, like, they're just really intelligent, unfortunately, and uh, very, they use it in a very horrible way. Um, so I do see that uh, now and I can finally kind of see him for, you know, just kind of the, the person he is and who even, I don't even know who that is. Um, our good parts of our relationship uh, never really lasted uh, too long. Um, anytime problems arose, like, you know, just like bickering or fights that were happening in our, in our relationship, um, he started to exhibit some, like, very ugly tendencies in terms of, of handling the conflict within our relationship. Um, and at the beginning, I was really busy with, I had a pretty wild social life at the time. I was uh, partying a lot. I had a lot of friends. And I didn't really ever take much of it to heart because I was just so busy or, and I had a lot of other personal issues going on that I just didn't really seem to give a shit about him or his shit. Like he'd start fl- flipping out and it'd be like, okay, yeah, see ya. Cause, cause I, you know, I had a million other things to go and do, but with people who cared about me. Um, so I never really put too much thought into it. And I just kind of, I never allowed those. I never, I didn't see the red flags for what they were. And I didn't acknowledge them, um, but I also didn't let them, I didn't let any of it affect me, which I think that's definitely, you know, where I went wrong. Um, it wasn't until I had somewhat of a mental breakdown about um, some issues with a family member that I had um, that I'd been suppressing and I just kind of had a little bit of a breakdown and uh, that was kind of the tipping point uh, in our relationship. So basically when I needed him the most, he wasn't there um, and said he completely abandoned me when I you know, even though I was there for him through some of his most difficult times, um, that wasn't really offered uh, the same in return. 
uh, we were living together. We had, we'd have, um, these fights and I tried to communicate through these fights and he would, uh, push me away, not physically, but, um, you know, just mentally. And, um, he'd get really hostile and it was like, it'd be violent in the way of like the words and like that look on their face. They don't even look like the same person. Um, and you know, I would just, I'm just, the way I am is I don't want to go to bed angry and I, you know, I just want to give him a hug and say, I love you and let's work through this. Let's just go to bed and, you know, I'm sorry. And that's how I want to deal with it. And so when I would try to approach these issues in that manner, um, he would uh, throw me out of the house. Winter, summer, didn't matter. Uh, the time, it was usually really late in the evening. It'd be like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'd get thrown out of the house to... In, in almost, you know, sometimes I didn't have shoes on, um, and I was left to sleep in my car. Um, and when I'd return in the morning, when I was allowed back in, uh, he wouldn't so much as even look away from the television to like say hello or are you okay? How cold are you? Things like that. Um, sorry. Whew. Those um, situations always put me in a pretty uh, hysterical state. Um, it got me like, you know, I'd start to act pretty crazy because I was just so desperate for some sort of like affection. Like, do, like, you know, how are you? How is that happening to me? Like, how am I sleeping in a car in the middle of winter, freezing cold, and coming inside and not even being asked if I'm okay? Um, so that was horrifying for me. Um, so, uh, one night I was sleeping, um, he was sleeping beside me and, uh, I woke up and he was having sex with me and, um, I f freaked out and I pushed him off of me and I called him a rapist, um, which I felt like it was kind of warranted, um, cause I was asleep and I didn't give him consent so he really felt like that was warranted and that he was in the wrong. And somehow from that day to the end of our relationship, which was like a year and a half later, I was still apologizing. I was apologizing. And I don't know, like to think back on it now, it's just, it's shocking, but they have that way of flipping it around on you. Um, but, um, so yeah, there was that. Um, he also, uh, I'll just give some examples of things that happened. Uh, he crashed my truck, um, and I was really concerned about him and his behavior and what he was obviously going through. So I tried to kind of have a little bit of a conversation with him about, like, safety, you know, and, like, you know, staying alive and, you know, not getting into dangerous situations with a mo motor vehicle. And um, that turned into a fight. I got thrown out of the house. Um, but at this point, I had uh, moved out. And, um, so I actually had somewhere to go. I had a safe place, which was, uh, made a huge difference in my life. Um, and then, uh, he called me. I, so what I did was, you know, he got really upset with me trying to have this conversation about, uh, you know, vehicle safety. And, uh, he threw me out of the house. I left. And I just, at this point, I'm like, I'm just going to give him some space because that's what he always wanted in the past was like a few days to process the fight or whatever it was. So I figured, hey, I'm going to try and do things differently. And, you know, instead of trying to, like, maybe smother him and be like, hey, let's talk about this, I'm going to give him the space he's always wanted. So I do that. 
And then uh, he invites me to go to the river a few days later. And I think, okay, cool. Like, he's cooled off. We're going to have a good conversation. And we get to the river, and he lifts up his, like, takes off his T-shirt. And I see his arms, and he's got all of these, like, holes all over his arms. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's happened to your arms? And he glanced down at his arms, and he said, oh, that's from this new girl I'm fucking. Like, I'm dating him. And it's, like, no remorse, no like it, like that doesn't even phase them. That like, and that like that crushed me. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, he uh, yeah, that was uh, yeah. Uh, moving on, um, he was also always trying to like make some sort of when we when I did move out of the house and it was you know I was kind of branching out on my own and trying to sort of get away little by little. Um, he was always trying to make some sort of arrangement with me where he could have sex with me but not make any actual commitment continue spending his time with other women, like being on dating apps, et cetera. And I would decline and say it wasn't work that, you know, that's not going to work for me. And, you know, it's not something I'm interested in. And I think I deserve a lot more than that. And he'd block me, delete me, explode, call me names. Um, I've honestly lost count um, of how many times he's tricked me, like in terms of, you know, when I get away and I'm, not speaking to him. He has like, he has me blocked. So I couldn't talk to him if I wanted to, but I also don't want to. So I'd always take that time to like get, move forward and get ahead with my life and, you know, trying to be healthier. And it's, it's as if they can smell it. And they're like, Oh, she's doing good. I'm going to, I'm going to call her up. I'm going to unblock her now. And I'm going to, you know, fix that and make sure that she's down where I want her. Um, and I always sell for it every single time. Uh, you know, the big the love bombing and the um, apologizing and believing him. And then, you know, that only lasts a few days of, you know, this normal relationship because, but they're so good at acting and pretending. And then, you know, one minute you look over and you just know, like I could tell the minute that was over, even just by the look on his face, like his eyes would change. And his, like, facial structure would change almost. Like, it was just, like, a completely different person. Um, he's, uh, um, just, I wrote some notes, so I'm just kind of looking them over. Um, when he, unfortunately, I've had a lot of friends uh, show me his, like, dating profiles that he has. It's so funny because, you know, in the three years we were together, we both we both didn't want kids. That wasn't something that we wanted. Um and he, like, I could kind of, you know, I could take it or leave it, but I really wasn't that passionate about having children. So I figured, you know, it's not something I'd really miss. And it's not, you know, whatever. But he really didn't want to have kids. It was like, he was very firm on that. Like, you know, I really don't want to. If that's something that you're going to even want or change your mind about, you like, you can fuck off now. Mm-hmm. And all of his dating profiles are, you know, try, I'm trying to find the right women. And, you know, I want to start a family and have kids. And it's like, what the fuck? And if he ever came back around and I'd fall for the, for the trick, I'd say like, Hey, so-and-so showed me your dating profile. What are you doing? He's like, I don't know. That's what the girls want to hear. So that's what I put. It's like, this person's out there doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck. Um, but yeah, we'd be here probably all year. If I were to <laughs> go on and explain to every single instance, uh, that happened, like, but he spent, a very long time um, putting me down um, and making me feel crazy, neglecting me, calling me names. 
uh, verbally abusing me, emotionally abusing me, sexually abusing me. Um, and it wasn't until just like a month or two ago that I realized how much damage he actually did. One sec, I'm just going to have a little cry again. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I really didn't realize how much damage he had done to my brain. And I'm in, I'm in therapy now and we're, uh, I'm with a trauma uh, specialist and we're, you know, unpacking all this stuff and, um, kind of discussing like how my, I have this trauma brain and a shame brain and, you know, my normal mind is, it's not there and it's not the one that's in charge right now. So I'm just trying to be good to myself and be patient, but um, it's a very, very scary thing to not be like in control of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, thank God for mental health professionals because uh, I don't know where I'd be without them and good friends. But um, what was I going to say? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know. Do you have any questions? <laughs> <laughs> um, wh- when did you realize, uh, well, wh- what was the, I guess the straw that broke the camel's back when it was like officially over and like you refused oh. like a hoovering? There's two, there's two, um, there's two occasions. Uh, the first was um, when he, so he had just moved home. Mm-hmm. He always worked away and was always away. And I only saw him like, maybe on weekends, depending on what, what the job was. I just kind of saw him casually. Um, and he uh, had finally moved home, and it was his first night back. I was super nervous because, that, you know, I was terrified. And uh, he invited over um, a friend of his and his friend's wife. And uh, the wife was always kind of kind of shitty towards me. She was never very friendly, no matter how hard I tried to like, you know, get in with the girls. I'd always have to end up being in the garage with the boys because the girls just didn't really let me in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she come, they come over and the girls just being so nice to me. And she sees they have an instant pot and she wants to make meals for the guys. And I'm like, yeah, totally. And I'm kind of excited. Like, you know, he's living home now. This is cool, whatever. So they leave and I turn and I say to my ex, I said, Hey, like that was so cool about like that girl that she's being nice to me. I'm really excited about that. And he just goes, you fucking cut. And I'm like, what? 
He's like, you are fucking, you're such a dumb fucking cunt. You're the fucking worst cunt I've ever fucking met. I fucking hate you. You're miserable. What? Like, I'm, I have no idea what is going on. Like, I'm so confused and like, <laughs> and I'm, so I'm, I ask him to explain and he explains that what I just said about that girl. And I can, and I don't, I can't understand what I did wrong or what I said wrong. I was excited. I was genuinely happy that, that, you know, that she was talking to me. I don't know what the problem is. And then he, I'm starting to get upset and I'm starting to defend myself, which isn't something, you know, you should really do apparently. And he got up and got right into my face and uh, screamed at me about going to kill myself and uh, really drove that home. Just one second. And, um, uh, in return to being told that that being screened in my head, I picked up, there was a wine glass on the counter. I picked that up and I threw it at the wall, um, which was stupid and unhealthy and dysfunctional. And like, I totally see where I went wrong there, but I didn't really know what else to do. Um, I was very angry at being told such a horrifying thing by somebody I loved so much. Um, so I got thrown out of the house. And I came back the very next day with the truck and I got all of my belongings and put them into storage and I never went back. And it was like four months later, he started the cycle over again mm -hmm. <laughs> and I fell for it. And then, um, so that was kind of like, that was one that it was like, I don't know how to forgive you for that. And that was, at least I got out. That was how I got out of the house, which I don't think, I think it would have taken a very long time if it had even happened at all, if it weren't for that scenario, because that was kind of for me, like, no, like I'm not suicidal. I don't want to be suicidal, but he's got some sort of fucking control over me that like is terrifying. And, you know, they, you know, he's been making me feel worthless for going on two years. Um, so, uh, I got out and then the next was, um, nothing really t like too bad happened. It was just, I don't even know. I just, I don't even know what happened. It was just kind of something in my head. I just said, I can't do this anymore. And I reached out to friends and I started, you know, telling my story to people. Cause I haven't really told people mm -hmm. that are close with me. Like my mom doesn't know. And a lot of my friends have no idea, um, what I was actually going through. Um, they knew it was toxic, but they really had no idea. Like the extent of, um, how scared I was to, you know, sleep in a bed with him or, uh, even come home after work. Um, so yeah, something just kind of slipped in me and I said, I can't live like this. And I started being honest with myself and with my friends and went and went to therapy and you know, it's, uh, that's, it's not right and it's not fair and I don't deserve that. And unfortunately he has done a lot of damage. Um, but we're working on reprogramming my brain to uh, something a little bit more healthier, mm -hmm. which is exciting. Um, I think that no contact is probably the only way to go, but you know, I know not everybody's situations you can do that for mine. I feel blessed enough that, uh, I, I can have that option. Mm -hmm. Um, <sighs> so, but I, you, you know, I still uh, go ahead. Oh no. So when you talk about, uh, the control, um, mm -hmm. you know, bef I, I, before this relationship, I, I'm just going to assume you had uh, healthy uh, relationships. 
as far as the control goes, how much does that throw you for a loop that someone has that much control over you and you, oh. don't, and, and you, and you don't know why or how? Yeah, that, uh, that was something I just uh, was dealing with in uh, my last therapy session. Mm-hmm. And I think I've been, what I've been doing a really good job at is not being hard on myself and like, you know, not like I'm not making myself feel bad about allowing something to go this far and that I didn't stick up for myself or I didn't get out when it, you know, when it got bad. Um, but it is absolutely shocking. And that's what I think a lot of men and women need to, um, really understand about, you know, just coming in contact with anybody, like anybody out there, you have to be so careful and, setting up boundaries for yourself, which I never did. Like I allowed him every step of the way. I allowed him to, to treat me in a, in a horrible way and love him and forgive him and go through it. What? No, 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 no. And that is, you know, I've always, you know, Oh, I'm so empathetic and that's the kind of person I am. And I see like, you know, I know his childhood. I know his, his issues and I feel terrible for him, but you know what? Like I didn't have, there's people out there that didn't have a very good childhood. You know, I had a couple of issues in my childhood and I make a choice every single day to not treat somebody like a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's people out there that, you know, I, I just, I, I still kind of believe like you kind of have the choice. I don't care what happened to you. You can make a, you know, better choices. Um, Do you believe that those uh, things happened to him? Uh, I do uh, believe that. I do believe it. Um, I had the very unfortunate uh, experience to meet his mother. Okay. Um, and I got to witness some really bad stuff. Um, it, it, but he became her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Does he see that or yeah. no? No, 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 no. There was the only, and like every once in a while, he'd have this baby little breakthrough. One time we were camping on like a remote abandoned Island. Like we're in the middle of nowhere in the Pacific ocean (laughs) and which is kind of sounds terrifying now, but it wasn't at the time. And we started this, like he just got super vulnerable. All of a sudden he started, um, really opening up to me. And, you know, I just said, you know, you've treated me in very poor ways and it's been really hard to hold on and it's been really hard to stay with you. And he said, I know, but it's because I resent women. And, you know, that was like, whoa, shit. But, you know, those things, like, at the end of the day, like, that little tiny thing that he said, like, it doesn't matter. Like, until he goes and gets help and starts to talk to a a professional. His mother was bipolar. He very very well may be himself. I have no idea. Um, But, you know, until he starts to go get help, like, there's just... I, there's no point in hanging on, um, to the, but that's, that's kind of how he did keep me, you know, hanging on with these little baby bits of hope and this glimpse of this person that I once loved at the beginning, the person that he pretended to be when I met him, you know? So, so when you say, you know, there's one thing on the show that I, I don't usually get into, uh, because, I don't want to be insensitive to the person I'm talking to, but you brought it up, uh, which is the yeah. word allow. 
And because yeah. um, some people who are listening might have a difference of opinion, but I, mm-hmm. in my personal experience, and it seems that you also have the same experience, is that you say the word, I allowed them uh, to do this. And mm-hmm. uh, I always uh, felt after everything was over, when I really looked at everything, that I, you know, it took two to tango. This person did this to me, but I allowed it to continue. Uh, yeah. th- there was still this part of me that let these things continuously happen. And after the fact, I, and I still have to work on this, and I still am not very good at it, is, <laughs> it, it is how to stop myself from allowing these things to happen and putting myself into these situations and being able to see them uh, immediately and take myself out of these situations. Uh, so I assume that's something you're working on. Yeah, it really is something I'm working on. And um, so, so growing what, up, so growing up, did you have boundaries or no? No, I, I really, did, uh, I, I don't think that I did. I think I, uh, I was a really shy kid, like painfully shy. Um, and, um, was, and I never had a relation, like growing up, like more getting into a, like, you know, a teenage, like you're a teenager and then you're in your twenties. Um, I, um, never had a relationship, um, that was as toxic as this. But if I look back, I can see these patterns of, you know, maybe it wasn't as toxic as this was, and maybe that person wasn't a narcissist, but you know, a lot of things happened to me, um, you know, from a very young age to current day that, um, I didn't, I clearly didn't set up these boundaries and I'm, um, what's been pointed out to me is that I put other people's feelings before my own. And I do that in every aspect of my life. And I don't like, and it's been very shocking to me. Like there's been, uh, friendships that I've had to let go of recently because, um, they weren't healthy and I was, and I didn't set up boundaries there and I've allowed people to, um, do things that would affect me, you know, in whichever way, um, and not say anything and not stick up for myself. And I feel like I feel very uncomfortable to, to say something, which is crazy. Like all I have to do to live a, like a, you know, a good happy life that, you know, might have minimal, conflict or trauma is to just stick up for myself and not allow, um, people to treat me in a way that I don't like. And it needs to be, and like, that's one thing that now I'm like, you know what, from here on out, because now I'm a, I'm a little angry and, you know, maybe that's not the best headspace to be in, but I'm angry and I'm kind of trying to ride off that because it feels kind of good and I feel a little bit powerful from it, but I'm angry and I will never allow another person to ever treat me in a way that is disrespectful or demeaning. I will forever say something and it doesn't have to be, I think, I think I have a hard time, um, maybe like saying something because I feel like it's a conflict or that it's going to be awkward or I might come off as like, you know, rude, but like, who cares? Like if I'm going to be rude by sticking up for myself, by saying, Hey, you're, you're actually not going to speak to me like that. And I'm going to walk away right now, lose my number Bye. why is that so hard for me to do? Why would I, why would I spend, you know, why spend any amount of 
rest of my life allowing anybody to treat me in a way that I don't deserve, that nobody deserves. Mm-hmm. But that is definitely something I'm working on. And another thing is um, anybody else that I've you know just started to see casually a little bit of dating here and there, they've been so sweet and so nice. And it's like, and I've heard this on your show before, and I so relate. It's like that is so fucking boring. <laughs> like I just, I want to live in chaos. Like I don't know any other place to go. Which I, ha- you know, that's another thing. I have to figure that out because, you know, every nice boy that comes along that's you know decent and communicates and is calm and empathetic and can have a conversation with me, I'm just like, nah. That's not what I want. Um, another thing I want to mention um, that a friend did for me when it, when this kind of all started to happen where I was like, hey, I'm getting out and I'm getting out for good. It was very emotional and I was up and down, up and down, crying and sobbing and not getting out of bed and, you know, all of those awesome uh, things that we do. And uh, my friend came over and she just sat with me and let me talk for like hours. And she made a list while I was talking, and it was called the Clarity and a Contrast List. And she made this list, and then she gave it to me, and I had to go away to work. So I didn't really get to look at it. And so I I got away to work, and I, you know, about to get into bed, and I see the list in my purse, and I pull it out, and I look it over. And I'm shocked because I never said this. Like, I never actually said this to her, but just from certain little times, she was reading between the lines. And she was able to write, and it's all just written down in like point, point form, certain things that I was saying. So I read it and I realized that he is so tiny. Like this person that I've allowed, you know, I've let control me and <clears throat> have so much power over my happiness is probably one inch tall. And the reason why I saw that was because in this list, the only thing that I clearly liked about him was that he took me fishing. Like, that's like, and that's what I saw in this list. I was like, wait a minute. I don't like anything about him. There's nothing, there's no quality that he has as a partner that I am interested in. The only thing I clearly liked was that he took me fishing and took me on adventures. And I can walk out of my front door right now and go find that in 10 minutes. Not going to do that because I'm not ready to date, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was, uh, that was a huge breakthrough just because it was like, it just made him so small to me, which I needed. <sighs> How are you doing? Good. Is it nice to get this off your chest? It is really nice. It is really good. Um, so just kind of going back to the, I guess, the, I, you know, your, I guess, boundaries and everything to do with, you know, you don't like conflict or um, I, I'm going to assume you were the person that dropped things for any friend. Someone called you, yes. you're, you're, you're that person. So along the way yep. in your life, you became a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that something, I guess that that's something you're de- dealing with with your uh, therapist. And if you're able to get yourself to the point of uh, dealing with uh, why you did these things originally or where it all started, then eventually at one point you'll be able to take everything you've learned and go back in, into the wild and date. 
I guess that's one aspect. Um, yeah, that's that's the goal. And then the other part, which is the trauma stuff. Um, how are you dealing with that? Uh, if you want to talk about that and uh, things that you, your you and your, your therapist are, are going through to to get you through that, like, do you have PTSD or flashbacks of oh, any of these things? Yeah, I have PTSD. Um, if there's a man around me that, like, when I was away at work, I work with um, all women pretty much, but uh, this somebody came in for the shift, and it was uh, this guy and his girlfriend. And um, I guess the lights got left on in his vehicle, and it was the day they were supposed to leave, and his car wouldn't start. And I was standing in the kitchen doing dishes, and I was having a great time listening to music, and he walks in, and he starts, he didn't yell at his girlfriend, but the minute he walked in and started, the way he was talking to her, like, I, I almost fainted. It was like, oh, no, oh, my. like, just even that, that energy of him being, like, angry and upset with her, and then she seemed scared. Um, like, it just sends me into, like, I, like, I can't even form a sentence. I couldn't even do the dishes. Like, it was just like, oh, I just froze. I just froze and I just stood there like terrified and, you know, it had nothing to do with me, but it was just there too close to me. Um, if I'm, you know, a man raises his voice, I can't walk down like to the point where like, I can't walk down the street. If it's getting dark out, I can't walk down the street. If it's broad daylight out, I can't walk down the street unless I'm with somebody or my dog. Um, and if I have to, um, I can't have anything on me. Like I can just, I have to wear something with pockets and that's where my phone will go and my, and my keys. Um, so there's a lot of that. I've also, I also got, uh, OCD that, um, came up, came into play as well. Um, so that's been pretty challenging. I have to videotape myself every time I leave the house, um, to make sure that my door is locked. Otherwise I just sit Wherever I've gone, I just sit there thinking, did I lock the door? And like trying to remember, can't remember, can't remember, and just not present with my friends or whatever I'm doing, work, whatever it is. Just And, you know, because I work away, that's it's crucial that I take that video because I'm, you know, seven hours away. I can't just go home and see if my door is locked. So it's, it's a lack um, of, is, it's, is it a lack of presence in your everyday things? Um, how do you mean? Is it like a lack of presence that you're going, you're automatically doing like shutting a door and then you leave because you're not present in the moment that you're doing it. So you forget or is yeah, it? Yeah. You know, that, that could make sense. I really could. My therapist hasn't uh, gotten into the OCD stuff yet. Well, she would. Maybe I'll ask him to do that. We've just been focusing on the, the trauma and trying to give me, um, coping mechanisms, things I can do to bring anxiety down and stuff like that. Um, I I, I used to get up in the middle of the night a lot, uh, and go and lock my door, even though it was already locked and I would do it often. And like in a night, sometimes I would get up three times and I would do it until eventually the fourth time I would sit there. I would, I would unlock the door and I would lock the door and I'd have to say out loud locked because the yeah. other because the other yeah. three times I forgot to, and then yeah. um, I then I could go back to sleep. 
And then sometimes and, I would leave my home and I would uh, walk down the street and then I would get somewhere, I'd be maybe five minutes away and I couldn't get past the fact that my door might not be locked and I'd have to go back yeah. and I'd lock my door and then I'd go out and then I'd be down the block and I said, did I lock my door? And I'd have to go back again and then I'd lock my door and then this time I'd remember to say locked and I'd lock it. And it took me a long time <laughs> to not do it anymore. Uh, but I don't yeah. do it, uh, as often any, as I used to, uh, yeah. but I went through a period like that as well. I don't know why. Um, and do you think that it has something to do with, um, like not like, you know, I feel like a lot of the control in my life or for my own life and what was going on in it was gone. Like the control was taken away from me. And it's like, maybe that's like this form of like, I've lost the control and I'm like, it's the one thing. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I never looked into why I was doing it, but for, you know, if I was to go based upon the dreams and, and dreams that I still have, because I looked up one, a dream I had last night, a lot of them are about having no control. I have zero control mm-hmm. over things. And, uh... Even, you know, because I have uh, regular family issues uh, with, about control and then, you know, relationship issues about control and that everything always seemed uh, out of my control. And maybe that is just uh, something that manifested. I never looked into it. I never even thought about that. That's what it could have been until you really just uh, brought it up because me and locks are, uh, stra- I have a strange relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to look that up after I'm done or I'm going to at least uh, try and talk to, uh, someone like not not my therapist, but someone else, uh, in the psychology field of, uh, if this is a possibility. So if anyone else out there who's experiencing the same thing, oh, sorry, continue. It it would be interesting to to find out because my therapist hasn't said anything too much about it. He didn't really seem too concerned, even though, you know, I'm like, I'm concerned. This is, you know, how much time it takes me in the day to, and like how much time I sit around thinking of my doors locked, even though I, you know, and having to go, if I'm at work, go to the bathroom and watch the video of me locking my door, but then being like, is it locked? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's crazy. <laughs> so, but we've uh, got, we've some, we've kind of gone crazy. Like this drive, this stuff drives us uh, to do certain things that you never thought possible and, and to question uh, ourselves. So, yeah. so do you feel that you're, you've gotten your sanity back though, at least? Uh, I, I think I have, um, to an extent, I think I have a really long way to go. Um, I'm extremely looking forward to the future to see, you know, how far I've come. My therapist, um, thinks that I've been doing a very good job. And I, when I saw him on Saturday, he, I was, you know, I just sat down and I just exploded all of this verbal diarrhea at him. And he was like, so what have you been doing? And I'm like, well, I've been listening to this podcast. And I told him about your podcast. He goes, wow, that's really made you a stronger person. So thank you very much for, for doing this. It, oh. it really, it's like, because, you know, I saw him and then I didn't see him for two weeks. And in that two weeks, that's all I did was I just binged, listened to all of your podcasts. And listening to everybody else's stories um, was really empowering, just not feeling alone. And I just really, my, like the big message that I want to send is just like about setting up those boundaries. I think it's like, it's like the first line of defense that we can have is 
is doing that for ourselves before it's too late. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I blinked and it's like, how the fuck did I get here? And, but again, like I actively was involved with every step of getting to where I am now. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, not the worst place in the world to be and I'll be stronger for it. And if it, you know, I try to look at the bright side of things and, you know, if this hadn't have happened, I wouldn't be setting up boundaries now in all aspects of my life. I wouldn't be, you know, taking this time to be seeing a psychiatrist and dealing with my mental health and um, just being a little bit more like open and like listening to myself and what is going on and how I'm feeling like mentally and emotionally. Um, is this the so first time you're delving? Way, is this the first time you're delving into this stuff at all uh, in the course of your life? Have you ever been to a therapist in it at all before? Um, I had been um, when I had my mental breakdown. I was in a crisis center, mm-hmm. um, and so I had. But I was dealing with um, uh, sexual abuse um, from <clears throat> somebody else, so I was dealing with that. Um, but that was pretty much all of the therapy I'd ever had. That was that was the only other instance. So this is going to be long term. It's going, you know, he said I'll probably need this minimum of of two years, which is like, you know, it kind of sounds shocking, but um, it is what it is, and it, you know, it, it is going to like just what he keeps reminding me is it's going to take a long time to reprogram your brain because there's been a lot of trauma and a lot of things have happened and you're, uh, you know, like he spent a long time making me feel worthless and that I was no one. And it wasn't until last summer I met this guy and I started seeing him a bit and he's one of these really, really nice guys. And, um, you know, I really liked him, but it just wasn't for me. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but it, it wasn't until I started seeing this guy that I realized that like, I'm, I'm beautiful. There's nothing wrong with me. And I like, that relationship, usually, you know, I really don't agree with jumping into something with somebody right after such a horrible experience. Um, but it wasn't serious. You know, we both knew it was just going to be casual, but I, you know, I was very transparent with the guy like, Hey, I'm really fucked up from my ex. Like I will never be, you know, serious about this relationship. I have, you know, way too much shit going on. Um, but he really, um, we're still friends to this day. I'm not seeing him anymore, but we're still friends. And just being with him made like really showed me that there was nothing wrong with me because my ex always, he just spent he, like every single day, he'd drive that into me that there was, you know, I was useless and I was ugly and that I was fat. And like, I am, you know, five foot six and a hundred and fucking 35 pounds. Like I'm not even remotely overweight. I'm not, and I'm not ugly. Like, it's such a rude thing to say to somebody, but it worked. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, he had my self-esteem so low and then I meet this guy and that like that. So that really helped me, you know, in a, in a way, like, I'm really glad that I was seeing somebody that was able to give me that. I don't know if I would have been able to feel beautiful on my own. I think it would have taken me a really long time. Um, so I'm really thankful for that experience. That was good. So I have one question. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you said you lived in a, uh, you don't live in a, in a place that's very large. And you said, uh, before we went yeah. on the call that you had run into, uh, this person, uh, yeah. <laughs> in, in the last week, I think you said. 
Um, yeah, I ran into him on uh, Saturday. I ran into him on Saturday. And that was not a good experience. No, it well, wasn't. So I'll kind of uh, go into it a little bit for everybody. Um, so I, a bunch of my friends, we were going to the river and um, walking down a, a wider trail down to this beautiful swimming spot. And I had my dog with me. And uh, my dog's running up ahead a little bit. And I just hear this man's voice call out my dog's name. And you know, my stomach drops into my asshole and falls out onto the ground and I'm freaking out. And then I just go numb, like nothing. Like I was just frozen and numb and everybody's looking at me like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. But I was just being so strong. And I had just had therapy that morning and my therapist had specifically said to me, you are doing really good and you've come really far, but you're going to have setbacks and they're going to be really bad. And I'm like, no, no, no. I feel great. I'm strong. This is amazing. No, no, no. I nothing could happen that would bring me back down. And then six hours later, I'm staring at him, and he, and there he is with this girl. And I knew immediately who the girl was. Somebody, uh, you know, he had a inappropriate relationship with while we were together, uh, and so. Now, and she's wasted, like just wasted. She can barely stand up and she can barely talk. And she's like, can I have a cigarette? And I had just come out of therapy about like sticking up for myself and say, you know, being able to say no. And do you think I want to give this girl a cigarette? Like, I know it's not her fault or anything, but she didn't know about me when I was with him. So like, I do kind of have an issue with her too. <laughs> and no, I don't want to give her a cigarette. And so I said, no, I don't have a cigarette for you. And I looked away and I looked at my friends and, you know, we're, we're going to start continuing walking. And he just keeps trying to like grab my dog and my dog absolutely adores him. And it was the weirdest thing. My dog just wouldn't acknowledge him and wouldn't like my dog. Like it was, it was just so like everything was pretty perfect really. It, like, and yeah, so my dog won't really acknowledge him and, it's clearly kind of getting him upset and I just, you know, try to, and I'm giving like a wide berth to get around him. And that's when he like comes up from behind me, like kind of spins me around and embraces me in a giant hug in front of this girl that he's dating or whatever they're doing. Like how, like how rude is that? Like that part too, like, you know, you have this girl with you and she knows who I am and I'm sure that did not make her feel good. It made her probably made her feel worthless. Uh, well, I'm sure um, she uh, is under the same spell that you were under. Oh, uh, absolutely. And did he did he say terrible things about people that he dated before you? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. So I'm sure yeah. he. I'm sure he's. She's only heard terrible things that you've done that didn't actually about, exist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. And so yeah, he just grabs me in this huge embrace, and. I'm standing there and this is, I'm just going to say this stuff because I'm just going to be honest. This is super superficial and probably so petty, but it was all I really had to go on. But I like, I've lost, you know, I was never overweight or anything, but I've lost quite a bit of weight just from doing a physical labor job. I'm very toned now and tan from working outside. So I look good and I feel good like inside and out. And it felt so good. Like I allowed him to touch me like to give me that hug for a brief moment, just so he could feel how good I felt. And then I was like, and I didn't like hug him back. I, I had my arms 
on my sides. And then I was like, get your hands off of me. And I took a few steps back and, um, then uh, we were walking away and I, you know, he clearly just still wanted to talk to me and, you know, he was still kind of standing there staring at me and I just turned back around and I gave him one last look and I said, it was nice to meet you both. And he was like, what do you mean? We've already met. And I was, and I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and I kept going and my friends were like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And I wasn't, and I didn't, and I just kind of held it in and I was being strong. And then later on in the evening, I started crying about something that wasn't even a big deal. Um, but I think I was just like projecting, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, I'm not going to, I want to be strong and I want to be okay. And I don't want to like shed another tear for this man. And so I just picked something new that wasn't really that bad and just started bawling my face off. Um, and wasn't until the next day that I realized, you know, that I clearly was upset about, you know, running into him and having to see him. Um, and that I just kind of pushed it onto something else uh, to allow myself to shed those tears. Um, so that was pretty hard, a little bit of a setback, but, I'm, you know, it, it is what it is. And I live in a smaller place, uh, are, and are there you know, a that way, can happen. Are there, yeah, are there ways to um, avoid that? In, like, I avoid mostly one part of I don't as much anymore, but I, I used to avoid one part of town. Uh, is there a way for you to uh, kind of find ways to not run into uh, said person? Um, well, it's interesting. So this is kind of the interesting part because um, I had called my mom and talked to my mom about, you know, running into him. And she says to me, uh, she goes, well, you know, it's really weird that he was even there because he doesn't even like going to the river. Like he doesn't even like swimming. Like, he doesn't like swimming. So why is, like, when we were together, that's all I want to do is go swimming. Like, so when we were together, you know, I'd always try to get him to go to the river. And he, most of the time, like, he'd come. But it wasn't something that he'd want to do. Um, So my mom kind of pointed out, like, hey, do you think it's possible that, you know, he was there at the river at a spot that he knows that you exclusively go to? Because he had this girl, and I should mention that this girl isn't from here. Like, she is from a different province. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my mom kind of put that idea out there. Like, you know, is it possible? And it's like, yeah, it fucking is possible. Of course it's possible. That's probably, like, I honestly think that's what it was. I think it was uh, more planned um, out. It was a beautiful day. It was, you know, a Saturday. Like, that's totally where I'd go. Mm-hmm. Um so I kind of think that going forward, um, I just never dreamed in a million years of running into him. He would never frequent the places I go. Um, so I just never dreamed in a million years that I'd ever run into him. Like, you know, the only place would be the grocery store, but we don't live in the same area town. We don't attend the same grocery stores. Um, but so there, you know, it is a small town, but I guess I just have to be more careful uh, going forward, but I also really want to be able to get to the point of if I do see him somewhere that it's that I'm fine mm-hmm. and I'm okay, and I think it, I will get there, and I think I'll get there quickly because at the end of the day, like like I love myself and I haven't done anything wrong, um, you know, like any crimes against humanity. I feel you know what I mean. Like I haven't, you know, 
spent three years making him feel like a piece of shit. I, you know, I tried to love him and do the best I could. And, um, I have to be kind to myself. And, um, if I do run into him, I just want to get to the point where it's just like, okay, yeah, like that happened. And it, you know, it might bring up a bit of emotion, but I hope that I can get to a point where it's, I can let it go and it won't uh, affect me in a, overly emotional way but you know it it is what it is I kind of just you know I am pretty emotional to begin with so I let myself cry when I want to cry and but uh (sighs) yeah you know I do think about moving sometimes but that's not something you're going to be thinking seriously about I'm not going to uproot my entire life just because I don't want to see one person Mm -hmm. um I just want to work on getting to a point where that one person doesn't have the control over me anymore so before we uh, end off, what is, I guess, the biggest uh, takeaway you have for everyone that's listening? Um, to set up boundaries. Um, I think that uh, there's way more people listening to your podcast that have gone through these situations, but I think the most important thing is for people who haven't been in a relationship and experienced narcissistic abuse that they listen to this podcast to look out for red flags. Um, cause I think it can, ha- it can happen to anybody. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, just because, you know, you're a victim to, to this doesn't mean that you're a weak person or that there's, you know, you weren't strong enough. It's like, it has nothing to do with that. It can happen to anybody. Um, that I think the takeaway uh, from my story is about setting up those boundaries and um, like really setting them up and sticking up for yourself and really thinking about what you want uh, for your life and, you know, how you want to wake up and feel every day. I look back on my relationship with him and there was an eight month period where I did not really get out of bed. I wasn't eating I was really sick. That was eight months. Mm-hmm. I was so sick. And it's shocking to me. I never, I had never given that a second thought, but that shit can happen so quickly. And it's so awful in life. You know, it's, you only live once and life is really beautiful and there's some good stuff out there. Um, so it's just important to set up those boundaries and that's boundaries, 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 boundaries. <laughs> well, uh, Olivia, so last thing that I want to tell you, as as you said before, just to remind yourself that you are beautiful and nothing is wrong with you. And thank you. Uh, I want to thank you uh, for joining us uh, on the show today. Um, thank you. And we'll talk for a second uh, when we turn this off. But to everyone else out there listening, uh, thank you for listening to Olivia's story. And that was my conversation with Olivia. And I really want to thank Olivia one more time for being on the show. I'll probably thank her another time after, like in, a, in like two minutes when I'm done my little diatribe here. But it was really nice that uh, uh, through all of this, Olivia has a pretty good positive uh, outlook uh, on what she needs to uh, fix within herself, what she wants to fix, and her outlook... Uh, you know, is one of taking this negative thing that has happened uh, in her life and how to uh, make her into a better person, 
how she's going to grow from it and taking this experience and flipping it on side its head and making it a positive one in the end. Even though it's terrible what happened and there's PTSD and there's a lot of stuff that occurred, assault, but how to take it and grow. And she's doing that. And I think she's a really good example for everyone out there who's still struggling uh, in their issues and uh, not being able to move past it. It's not going to be a quick fix. It's, this is going to be a very slow operation, and even learning uh, these new things, uh, with even with your positive attitude, it's going to take time. So uh, I just want to thank Olivia again for sharing her story. She was very brave for doing so, and uh, it was not an easy story to tell, uh, and uh, for a lot of you, it was not an easy story to hear. But she made her way through it. She's uh, on the other side, and she's working to get better, better, and she should be very proud of herself. And I just want to thank uh, Olivia one last time, as I told you before I was going to do it, uh, for being on the show and sharing her story. Also, uh, before I go, uh, tell your friends about the show who might be struggling with this, uh, who you can maybe... Uh, see that they're in this type of relationship, but they haven't uh, identified it yet. Tell them to come listen to the show. It might jog them a little bit. Uh, give us some uh, reviews, ratings. Uh, thank you for the people that sent uh, email to me this week. I'll give you a shout out uh, next week because I forgot to write your name down. Uh, also, our next episode uh, might be another Survivor episode, but we've been getting email questions. So, we might answer those email questions in a whole entire episode. Kind of might be uh, funny at the same time because some of the questions uh, are interesting. Uh, a lot of gaslighting questions. And uh, so we might answer them seriously, but seriously with a little bit of uh, flair. But anyway, now I'm just talking way too much and... You guys have stuff to do. So everyone, thank you for listening to the How to Survive the Narcissist Apocalypse podcast. I am Chad the Impaler. Thanks for listening. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. Please remain calm.